What's up, beautiful people? This is Fearfully Fit Podcast, and my goal for you is to develop a healthy mind, body, and spirit. I'm going to be sharing with you an in-depth look into how I lost over 100 pounds and had a total life transformation. I want you to be fit in all aspects of your life because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. What's up, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Fearfully Fit Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again. So we're going to start off with a weight loss tip. And my weight loss tip for today is as we are still in quarantine or, you know, everyone, well, most the majority of people are still working from home. Make sure that you're stocking up on low calorie snacks because things like um, cookies and cake and juice, you have such a small amount and it's so high in calories. So you're not satisfied with just a little bit and then you end up gaining weight a lot quicker. So if you buy low calorie snacks, you can consume a lot more, you can become more full and um, you can eat more because that's all we're doing all day long is eating. So, so by having the low calorie snacks, you can consume a lot more um, and you won't consume as much calories. So low calorie snacks, um, you can have strawberries are really good. Berries. Um, there are tons of different uh, juices that are zero calories, but they taste pretty good. Look out for those. Um, Sherelle, can you think of any any low calorie snacks that you enjoy? Kale chips. Kale chips. Okay, mm-hmm. that's seaweed different. Chips. Kale chips. Seaweed chips. Seaweed chips. Seaweed chips. Seaweed chips. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, there's I love rice cakes. They d- come in different flavors. So I usually get the chocolate favor- flavor. Mad good. Put a little peanut butter on it. OK, that's a whole snack right there. It's mad good. So look for low calorie snacks and try to stock up on those. OK. Chocolate hummus. Chocolate hummus. Oh, I've had chocolate yes. hummus. It's really good. You guys, I have the regular one, right? Well, not the regular one. I have the one with the red in the middle. I forgot what it's called. That's the one I have yes. right now. Stop and shop. Mm-hmm. Plug to them. I usually have hummus with some um, with crackers. I have it with strawberries. Wow. Okay. And I know someone who eats hummus with um, celery too. That's pretty good. Well, it's okay. I had it. It's but <laughs> get you some hummus as well. All right. So you guys, I want to welcome to the stage Sherelle Goss. <laughs> that sounded like an animal. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Sherelle is, um, she's my sister. She's my friend. She's my mentor. Um, I love her so much and I'm so happy for her to be here. So we're going to start with the would you rather question. Okay. okay to right. get us a little bit comfortable talking. Okay. So would you rather, mm-hmm. and remember we're in this quarantine right now. Mm-hmm. We stuck in the house all day. Mm-hmm. Would you rather live without music or live without television? And not just the television, like the television screen. I mean, any device you cannot watch. Throw my whole phone away. I gotta have music. Wow. I have a good playlist that, like, I have different playlists for like, like different moods. I have to have my playlist. Take away the TV. I I can do it. I can have Dang, books. No more Netflix. No more Netflix. No more Hulu. No more Disney Plus. I'm over it anyway. No more YouTube. I would give it all up. You books were so music. quick to say that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 
mine is well i love music during worship when i just any type of worship and then um when i'm working out and those are such big parts of my life so Mm -hmm. i can't even see myself giving up music but dang no more tv none of my well i actually don't watch a lot of tv i literally have like two or three shows that's like my show but then you come a moments like this where we're stuck in the house and it's like but i'm obsessed with books so you know what i have a whole library i'm you know if you use your imagination you can turn a song you can turn your books into little movies in your head true Okay, I'll get rid of the television there you too. Go. See? All right, so we both would just live without television. All right, you guys. So for this episode, we are going to focus on different scriptures that are very popular that people tend to um, misconstrue. Mm-hmm. Um, is misunderstand a word? Misunderstand. Um, yeah, I would say I would say miss, you know, I would say you can misunderstand the yeah, Okay, yeah. yeah so misunderstand um or they use out of context mm-hmm. or um and just really get some clarity out of those things and this is just this is for me as well. These are um these are topics that I you cuz you know when I'm ministering to somebody or mm-hmm. not just regular conversation, I want to know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And I need I need a rebuttal and I need to be able to back up what I'm saying Absolutely. and making sure I'm explaining it to them correctly mm-hmm. right because people love to say just like the church is about rules we can't ever do nothing da, da, da. so it's like they love that. all right so let's bring the scripture okay let's bring some clarity to mm-hmm. it okay let's break so mm-hmm. i'm gonna start with the popular topic okay. of tattoos and piercings we're gonna lump it together okay so first i'm gonna give my understanding mm-hmm my opinion and then what i have gathered from the from the bible okay and then i want you to bring in your extrapolate extrapolate yes i need you to extrapolate so what i have always been taught about tattoos is that it's a sin not that i don't think you should do it but that it it is it is a sin when you look in leviticus it leviticus it speaks about um to not make any marks on your body mm-hmm. um and the same thing i believe piercings are in leviticus as well okay um and it speak that was also speaking about not making any holes in your body mm-hmm. um so then as i got older my understanding became that you are just not supposed to have tattoos to represent the dead and then with piercings it was that during that time it was a way of other spirits spirits entering in so what i have concluded from that is that tattoos and piercings meant a specific thing during that specific time in the bible and so God did not like how, obviously, what those things represented during then. But now, if someone has tattoos and piercings, you don't think in your head, oh, they're worshiping devils. Mm -hmm. Piercings don't mean the same thing. And then I've also have um you know I'll hear preachers say that it's a sin. They'll bring the scriptures in about but only the reference to face piercings they'll say okay in your nose or other things mm-hmm. meanwhile the whole usher board and mm-hmm. and um 
what's the the woman's ministry got one right. ear pierced right so i'm like okay so the one hole is okay mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure in the bible it didn't say it's okay for one hole mm-hmm. if we're gonna say that it's not okay to have piercings mm-hmm. then it's just not okay not like it's okay one hole but you can't do it in the nose as much as i'm comfortable with right having. okay mm-hmm. so now what is your extrapolation <laughs> Okay, well, glad you asked, Summer. So, um, what the Word of God actually teaches us is really not having to do with the piercings, mm-hmm. right? That's more of um, the Egyptians and their customs and the people of Israel when they were with them. This is the Egyptians were really into piercings, right? So, you know, you got the nose, you got the ears, and there's even a lot of African cultures today that still honor a lot of those big piercings and a lot of those things and that's a cultural thing so um when it comes down to asking the question is piercing and tattoos a sin or is it not a sin Mm -hmm. it's not a sin Mm. and here's where i'm going to bring the word into that one leviticus that scripture in leviticus when it's talking about um those markings it is specifically designed for God telling his people, I don't want you making any markings on your body in reference to the dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't want you to do to, to do this. This is a part of the things that I'm telling you not to do. When we talk about um, the piercings, a person can argue or the scriptures, the scriptures would tell us that if you look in Ezekiel 16, where. God literally is having, he's almost telling what the children of Israel, right? And he starts out and he's like, when you were nobody and when you were bloody babies, mm-hmm. I picked you up and you were abandoned and all these people. And he's talking metaphorically about these children that he has called out from Egypt and he delivered them and he brought them into a promised land and he gave them manna from heaven he provided for them he did everything for them and he continually turned their hearts away from him mm-hmm. right so these are who he's speaking to and in ezekiel 16 he begins to break down for them he's like when nobody wanted you i took you in mm-hmm. and not only did i take you in but i, I saw you you was this bloody baby i cleaned you off i i made sure you grew up and what did he do he says that he he adorned them in linens and fine gold he put no, he put piercings on their nose. He gave them. Oh wow! I have never heard that. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the scriptures, and a lot of. I'm people, not being sarcastic. I I, I just I'm realized not. in my head that sounded like. <laughs> oh, I never. I literally have did not know that. It is literally uh, Ezekiel 16, and in, and that's specifically verse 11 where he says, "I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and necklace around your neck, and I put a ring on your nose." earrings on your ears and a beautiful Mm. crown on your head and he's telling them like i brought you from nothing and i made you beautiful and that is what the power of god can do now when you look at whether a person should decide to get a piercing and a tattoo there are other things involved with that Right. right you have to look at the motive and the intent behind it with tattooing tattooing itself anybody that has tattoos will tell you it's addictive Mm-hmm. It's something that once you get one, you start finding different places on your body where more things can go. You start looking like, oh, I think it would be cool if I have it here. I think it would be cool if I have it on my neck or my, you know, my wrist. I think this area on my body is missing something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the, 
you would have to you would have to look at that individual and say why do you want to get a tattoo what are you what message are you trying to portray on your body that you couldn't otherwise do mm-hmm. right why do you want to put a stamp a permanent stamp you know not excluding laser um but why do you want to put a permanent stamp of something on your body that you weren't born with mm. right you have to look at you have to ask yourself that question if you're seeking out getting a tattoo same thing with piercings right i'm a person i always wanted a nose piercing i always wanted to get the bristle of my ear pierced mm-hmm. um some of it is it looks painful to get it right mm-hmm. you know i don't want to go through the process same right. thing with tattoos i also have like keloid skin so it, i'm like i'm not gonna go through the process and look all nasty right later on it's scarring <laughs> right but mm-hmm. um at a at a lower level than all of that it is i can't speak for myself and where god will have me in 10 years in 11 years Mm -hmm. and if i do something to my body without consulting god who i'm telling and who i'm professing is the head of my life as a christian i gotta consult him before i go and do anything so Mm -hmm. if i go ahead and i'm thinking ahead of his timing and ahead of his will that tattoo that I get today, that in 10, 11 years, I'm like, oh, it's just something, you know, it's just something that I got. I have to acknowledge that I may risk not being able to minister to somebody that it may be offensive to. Mm. And therefore, I've now taken on a liberty over my own life mm-hmm. and restricted God from where his decision, where I place him as a decision maker over my life. I've taken it into my own hands. And that is where would enlive the sin or disobedience. That was good. My mom, she loves to say, um, I wish my my brother was here because he's the rebuttal king. Mm-hmm. Um, but his rebuttal towards my mom mm-hmm. every time about the tattoos is just, it's not marking the dead. So, mm-hmm. which he ended up getting my dad's birth date. Mm-hmm. I don't like saying it out loud. Daddy will die one day yeah. and then it will be <laughs> right. Right. Well, yes. mm-hmm. to, you know, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, but her response is always that you can argue a lot of things, but why even take the chance? So just back to, um, you know, or if you're faced with someone who it does become, mm-hmm. it is offensive to, that's just another roadblock that you now have to try to maneuver again, like try to fight against mm-hmm. when there's so many other more important things. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you going to add another thing on to mm-hmm. that now you got to you gotta fight against or you got to try to justify or right. whatever the case may be. So that's always her standpoint. I personally, I have um, one, two, three, four, f- uh, five tattoos. Um all of them were very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't get any out of because um, I was me personally that mm-hmm. because I was addicted and I just wanted some. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, because uh, <laughs> I don't want to necessarily say God told me like he laid it on my heart to get it. Mm-hmm. But it's just so personal to me. It really feels that way. But mm-hmm. that could just be an emotional thing. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to even call, you know, lie <laughs> on God and say he told me to get it. Um so I haven't been necessarily addicted to them because they are so permanent. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't gone crazy with them. I do feel like I've gone back and forth with it. Um, I remember there was a time I said I would never get tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I started to become more expressive as a person, 
I thought it, it was beautiful, some tattoos, mm-hmm. um, and being able to express yourself in an artistic way. Mm-hmm. And I just left it at that, that it didn't really mean anything more than you just expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I feel about it now, I go back, I don't believe that I would get any more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Um, <sighs> I think that with with piercings as well, mm-hmm. I do not think that either or are a sin. Mm-hmm. And what you have just explained mm-hmm. is that it's not. Mm-hmm. But I also know that it's very hard nowadays for us to be set apart. Um, okay. It's very hard just about because when they say don't look worldly, everything is worldly. Even when you are dressed churchy quote unquote mm-hmm. you're still dressed in churchy fashions right that or worldly it's yeah. churchy worldly mm-hmm. but it's still worldly mm-hmm. you you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's not much that we can do to separate ourselves so it's like i don't know i don't think that i would add on another thing at this point um to blend in even more okay so with that train of thought in mind I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to go and kind of get to where you just ended about um, the separation of between the church and the world. Mm-hmm. The first question I'm going to ask you is how many of your tattoos did you think would be the last tattoo? Um, like, did you always when you set out to get the first one, were you like one and that's it or were you like okay I know I'm gonna stop at five or I'm gonna stop at four probably I did say with the one I got which was my most personal one to my heart that probably was the one I said I wouldn't get anymore after I did continue to get more I don't think I put a limit on it after that I think I just whenever I felt like it was laid on my heart to get it that's when I ended up getting it so then you were would you say that um again that then it technically wasn't a form of, say, outright addiction, but it was like, I could use one more. Yeah. I see this not like it. I can say Cause, it. Because yeah. me personally, like, right, if I'm being completely honest, I follow a lot of tattoo parlors. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also an artist, so, like, I love the art of it. I love what they're able to do on skin tones because there's so much that goes into the technical work. Love it. Absolutely adore it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but you don't have tattoos. Right? I don't have tattoos, mm. and I would mm. never get one because it's not for me. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to to do that. I'm pretty sure that at some point, if I would be like, Lord, I really, really want one. God help me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I would have to do any of that to do it. But I would consult with God if I were ever to make that decision. But I know based on just where I am with, with God in my personal walk that tattoos are not from my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has nothing to say that I'm any more spiritual than anybody else because I just don't believe that. I don't believe that that has a marking on it at whatsoever. Um, in fact, some of the um, most active Christians, and I mean active in healing ministry, active in, in the, the prophetic, and most on point, they are tattooed up. Right. And so that justification that your tattoos keep you from God in any manner is just wrong. Right. There's no standing to that. What it does is it makes the traditional church more comfortable with receiving you when you don't have tattoos. 
because mm. it almost seems as though you're not marked by the world. Right. You haven't shown that you've been out there. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there are people without any tattoos and they just little demons. Right. Around, right. You know, um, now I get to the, the second part, which is, again, that separation um, when the word talks about that separation and it talks about us calling ourselves away, it ought to be in our deeds and mm-hmm. the things that we do and our love towards one another, which is mm-hmm. the hardest part of the Christian walk. Right. It's to remain in a loving stature with people. And that is what will call, should be causing us to be the difference. Mm. Right. If you think about it, that is how um, AA meetings were started from the church. Right. Most of the most of the the impactful um, nonprofits and organizations of the world that do the most for this world were started by the church. And those are how we are separated because we are called to be the salt of the earth. I was um, I was speaking to my friend Clay and he was I I think because I was somehow I forgot how we got on the subject Mm -hmm. but he I was looking for something to wear for church and he said um I brought up wearing a skirt or something Mm -hmm. like that and he said um why can't you just throw on some jeans and I said well it's not like they'll condemn you if you come Mm -hmm. in the church with jeans I said but those of us who are members we know that we wear skirts and I said "And, and you know my bishop he doesn't you can't be on the pulpit ministering is that correct mm-hmm. with um you it's know in jeans not it's yeah not. so he was like why he said um he said there's so many internal issues that we're going through in the world he said yes yes still on the uh <laughs> you could only wear skirts <laughs> He said, y'all wear skirts and still be you going to the club. Well, actually, I don't know if he said that last. I just said that because it's very true. Right. Uh Um, (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) So I I, I do 100 percent. I get I um, I think they're on the that same plane that that mindset of what I just said Mm -hmm. of how just another way to how can we stand out? So it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. women wear skirts. Um, I love how how you said that the difference is in how we act. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are we showing God's light, His love? That's where we can be set apart. Because, like I like I just said, because um, I ended up I contradicted myself, but this is a great revelation mm-hmm. I just had. Um, how I was saying that everything is worldly nowadays, even mm-hmm. church clothes, mm-hmm. because it's the fashion of whatever society says it is now mm-hmm. um so the difference is in like how you are how is your heart what are you doing um so so yeah even with like church fashions right so um a lot of the only reason why our tradition as a traditional church isn't for women to wear pants and it happens to be that we're wearing the garments of skirts, you know, as the preferred method, is only because of, like, again, people taking scriptures and altering it to make sure that it fits their society or their com- the, the community rule that they want to have. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, women putting up that appearance of a man, mm-hmm. right? And so 
if you're in a skirt, I can definitely, before it was women wear skirts, guys wear pants, right? And if you're wearing a skirt, okay, I can tell you're a woman. The breasts and, and all of that, it just seems to escape our mind. Right. But you're in a skirt, so now I can mm-hmm. tell you're a woman. You're not trying to look like a man. But now that we've grown in such a place in our society, in our world, and just through time, that there are women jeans that you can tell if a man is wearing those jeans. Right. Right. <laughs> they don't belong on you. Mm-hmm. Right? And there, there's such a there's such a distinction now within the clothing that it technically what we wear does not matter. Mm-hmm. That's still it, it really just is a tradition thing. And and you gotta remember, we're not so far from when these first kind of constitutions of different churches were made. It's just you see a lot more younger churches being developed and and grown and they're just like, okay, that's not a tradition that we're taking. Mm-hmm. Right? They still have the organ player. Right. They still have the drummer. They still have the, the whole entire kind of worship team. They still have um, the podium or the mm-hmm. pulpit. You understand? They still have a place of altar. So they've kept some things about the traditional church, mm-hmm. but there's just some things they put off. And it's... You know, if a church decides, hey, we're just going to do away with the clothes, why? Because it creates a barrier between those who can't meet our standard of clothing and those who can't or some people because some people just don't have the clothes. Mm -hmm. Like in our church, if you if you really took a look, there's a lot more younger people and younger generation who didn't grow up in church. So they don't understand that mentality of I have to wear a skirt. They're like, I'm going to wear whatever I have. Right. And we don't ever turn them away. We don't ever say hey, you know, here, put this prayer cloth around yourself and go sit down. Whereas in 50 years ago, 60 years ago, they would have done that. Mm-hmm. Or they'd have been like, go home and change it, change your clothes. Right. Come with something more appropriate. But we're, it just happened that we haven't made that mandate to say, wear whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it, it's on that church and the tradition of that community. Because every, every church is a community within itself. Every church has a... Um, a line of thinking and whether they want to take on those parts or not it's just up to them it's now more of like preference or or something like that whatever this the commandment of that house is or the the stature of that house is that was good and yes i agree so in conclusion with that um it is not a sin not a sin um, for piercings and tattoos. You won't buy God saying that. Nope. Yes, but it goes back to your heart. your heart. And your intent. And your intent. Yes, I'm just over here repeating what she's saying. <laughs> and your intent. So now we're going to shift into... We're going to shift into... I'm trying to see which one is a little bit more heavy. Well, I'll say... Okay, we're going to shift into masturbation. Okay. Okay, so masturbation, I have always grown up understanding that it it is a sin. Mm -hmm. And then not until recently, um, and keep in mind, I'm convicted about it too. So Mm -hmm. it's not that I just, I was told it's a sin. Um, I also am convicted. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, I was listening to a podcast and they brought up how in the Bible, um, Onan, mm-hmm. which is where people are getting that masturbation is a sin. That's where we take that Bible verse of not spilling your seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I then got the c- clarification that 
during that time, it was the custom mm-hmm. for if your brother died, mm-hmm. you would have sex with his wife so that you can carry on the name. Mm-hmm. And Onan was trying they were tell yeah right. Onan didn't want to mm-hmm. and so they were telling Onan don't spill your seed mm-hmm. and it had literally nothing to do with masturbation and if i'm not mistaken masturbation is not in the bible at all no man right? it's not um so now the extrapolation okay well this as well will come back down to the heart so if you're talking about um, whether God is flat out saying, sis, bro, don't do this. It's a sin. I detest you. You're horrible. I'm looking at you with shame and sprinkling oil on you in horror. Um, that's not true. Um, that God is fully aware of our humanity. Um, what it comes down to is you have to look at the process of what it takes to masturbate. Mm-hmm. That process involves things that will put you in a position of being out of the will of God mm-hmm. or distant from God. And more than that, it will put you in a place where you are no longer operating at God's best for you. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the first part. The process of you being able to successfully masturbate, meaning that you hit your climax and there's some sort of ejaculation or there's there's that part um you need to become aroused right and unless you have an auto button in your body that says click on i'm aroused you need to have something that you that is generating those feelings and those motions of arousal of arousal usually that involves porn a picture a memory um you fantasizing about something that is yet to happen something that will happen or you tapping into something a little bit more sinister, which are little spirits, but we're not going to get into that, mm-hmm. um, in order for you to reach that arousal. And then you have to continue that until you reach your climax, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are a part of that process, you have now already entered into a place of lust. Lust is now in your heart because you're lusting after something that's not yours, whether it's your fantasy, it's a fantasy of something that doesn't exist. Right. Right. So now you've put your heart towards wanting something or yearning for something that does not exist. And that already has joined your heart, the very act of it. You're going and you're going through the motions. And even though to you it's temporal, mm-hmm. it still leaves a lasting feeling, which is why right. most people, even after they may feel a sense of relief, there's still a sense of guilt attached to it. Listen. It, Anytime I have watched porn, each and every time I am utterly disgusted with myself afterwards. I am so embarrassed. I'm like, what did I just watch? I am a horrible (laughs) being. I am literally always disgusted with myself. Not even bringing God. I am like, did I just watch that and call myself enjoying something? So I'll never forget the, the, the moment or the season in my life in which I was just like, Bruh, sis, give this up. This ain't for you. I remember um, I had I had finished everything and I was just, I was disgusted with myself. But then <laughs> it was almost like I was looking at myself and I was just like, you here by yourself, sis. Right. And you're going through all of these emotions by yourself. At the end of the night, that feeling that you were trying to escape of being alone or doing something alone, you're still alone. 
a hundred percent that has it has never been um a reprieve for me after i get through i always am more disappointed that i have to do this instead of having the real thing which i know that's not everybody Mm -hmm. but that has always been my feeling afterwards and then don't tackle on you actually you you being a, a a christian or a devoted christian because then it's now I gotta go to God and apologize. I gotta repent at some point. Right. I gotta, I gotta go through all the emotions. I can't lift my hands way freely. I want to do. It just, it just ends up being too much. And me, the thinker that I am, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to be going back and forth. I don't like, not that I don't like apologizing, but I don't like apologizing when I don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't like putting myself in that position. So even when it comes to my relationship with God, it's just like I don't want to continue to do things where. Now I'm operating in in the place where it's not, I know this is not the best that you have for me. Right. If all it requires, what you're asking from me in exchange of this season is just patience. Mm -hmm. I think our relationship is worth enough for me to say, God, I can give you my patience. Just Mm -hmm. help me. Give me some strength over here. This is struggling, right? Right. So there's there's that avenue of you have to draw in lust. Now let's pivot over to that area, which I was just talking about, which is, God always wanting us, the the best for us and us at our best. There is a reason why there's the covenant of marriage, right? And you can say like, even even in a marriage, um, when you talk about the the bed being undefiled, whether that counts for say a a spouse is traveling, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If you start to do, you engage in like phone sex or video sex, is that become, is that still an engagement? Or are you now on your own masturbating or doing whatever what does that look like right and now does mm. that become a sin hmm i never thought about that type of situation like if you are married mm-hmm. and say you know he tours or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be he's out of town and you're touching yourself as you're talking to him and you're thinking about him mm-hmm. is that then okay I would say that that will fall under the umbrella of marriage and what time does not permit for the closeness or the proximity to mm-hmm. engage in that level of ministry together, we'll call it. Right. Um, you're finding a way to connect from a distance. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the same. Um, and, and so we'll say like that falling under that umbrella, it is still falling under. Okay. You're doing what it takes to continue your marriage and to grow and to develop that. But now you as, say, you're in your singlehood or you're in a relationship, but you're not married. What does that look like, right? God's character towards us, and you got to understand his character in all of these sort of scenarios. And when we start talking about vices and different things is what is God's heart towards us? If God says that my thoughts are for you to always prosper and to Mm -hmm. be in good health, what does masturbating do when you're not married, when you're single and you're singlehood and you're not married and you're in a relationship with somebody? And are you doing any action that is breaking down you being in good health, you prospering? Mm-hmm. Does it does it break away from that? So that's what you have to ask yourself. Right. So um if you're in a situation and you're you're going through the motions and you're like, you know, I just got to get this one out because I don't want to take the further step of, you know, say fornicating or having sex with my boyfriend. Um, I don't want to I don't want to do all of that, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do this little bit. 
that is us justifying within ourselves mm-hmm. how we can best manage it instead mm, of looking get, drawing that strength from God exactly Ooh, that was a little revelation because I've never even considered mm-hmm. that avenue of you you know like the the disappointment God mm-hmm. must feel that you have to now go outside of me mm-hmm. to think that you're going to draw strength because I used to have a professor um, and she taught because it was like a sex ed class or mm-hmm. something like that um, it was like an elective and she taught that she said masturbate before you date that was her slogan right <laughs> so she said it's better for you she said masturbate then once you go out you won't be so tempted to then once you date once you're on the date you won't be so tempted to have sex um and then as a christian like what you just said um even though masturbation not being a sin and then mm-hmm. even if you get away from okay the thought process that you have to go through mm-hmm. if you're just talking about how is this affecting my relationship with god mm-hmm. um you know you're not looking to him for that strength you're like okay let me figure out a way that mm-hmm. i can try to resist this you've now made yourself lowercase g over yourself mm. you've mm-hmm. taken all that you have relied on god for mm-hmm. and you've now put it in your hands why because honestly you don't think he's moving quick enough mm. to put you in a, a scenario where you can let this out now is god gracious is he merciful absolutely continually mm-hmm more than we ever really, really get to a chance to acknowledge. Um, but we have to acknowledge that it also tends to break down our faith. Mm-hmm. It tends to, because once you do it once, it's just like missing church. Once you do it once, it's like, uh, like okay, I felt a little ting. You do it again, you feel a little less mm-hmm. of the strain. You continually, and you become, it becomes a, a habit it becomes something you can't really break. Right, so now, that addiction. You hear all the time exactly. people being addicted. Now, with lust, right? With lust, it becomes a, a thing of its own. It begins to build its own kind of monument in your life. Mm-hmm. Because whereas you may start out with just masturbating, you're like, I'm just going to watch one porn video to get me through. I know my go-to video, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. At some point, that video won't be enough. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to need to add on two or three or tack on two or three. Then it's going to be like, man, I don't want to watch other people. Like, I want I want somebody to get on the phone. So then that becomes phone sex. That becomes you finding different people. And then you then you get on Tinder. Tinder. Then you get on all these different things. Because now the insatiable, the thing we don't acknowledge about our flesh and our bodies. And it's the very thing that God accounts for when you have all of these commandments. It is our, our humanity. The thing that we don't acknowledge all the time. Mm-hmm. So that our flesh is insatiable. Yes. We can never have enough. Mm-hmm. You can make a goal for your life, reach that goal, and you'll realize, oh, there's a greater goal. Like, I, I can do, so, I can dream a little bigger. I can expand this a little bit more. And mm-hmm. so that becomes not enough. You think of people who have all the money in the world, they're still trying to figure out ways to get money. Mm-hmm. Right? One of the, I think one of the um, arguments you were um speaking about in your previous uh podcast was about um you were talking about uh Kim Kardashian and how really if she didn't work another day in her life you know she would be set with enough money but her using the justification of um continuing to do these provocative photos for work or whatever have you um she's still seeking after more money 
Right. right? She's not going to turn down a new deal. Right. right? Even if it's for $100,000. $100,000 100 million dollars. She's going to take the money. Why? Because it ends up at some point not becoming enough. You get used to seeing numbers going up and then that becomes a it becomes lust in itself. Mm-hmm. And when lust when it is that's what the word teaches us when lust and when it is finished, it brings forth death. And that death is not always literal. Sometimes it is spiritual. Sometimes it is relational. Sometimes it is mental. Sometimes it is emotional because you can become so dead to the interaction through masturbating. And you also have to realize when you masturbate, you know the triggers to get you to climax. Mm -hmm. So now when you enter in a relationship with someone else, they can't do it like Mm. you do and hit your points. Yeah. So now you mm-hmm. end up taxing them because what they have is no longer enough. You have taken from their hands the ability to explore you and to do whatever and for, for your spouse to take all the time they need in their lifetime to go and make sure that you're you're satisfied. Mm-hmm. But when you take that upon yourselves and you go ahead and you do it, and again, you're out of the timing, you're out of the timing for your life for the part of marriage, you take away and you strip away that ability to be satisfied by another. Right. Because now that person is not getting to your, hitting your points as quickly as you know you can. Mm-hmm. So now what would take you 10 minutes? Oh, now I got to say her 25 minutes because you can't find whatever, right. you know? And so it brings forth a death in that, that bond that's supposed to be being built. Cheryl, that was so deep. God is good. Yes. So it, yeah, it, it um when you were speaking about how it just wants more mm-hmm. and more i was cuz when people ask me like how am i celibate right mm-hmm. it is just literally it, I, i'm not saying that it's necessarily easier but my will to resist is stronger because mm-hmm. that's what I'm feeding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I was having a, a conversation with Carl, and which is my boyfriend, if this is your first time listening. Um, I was like, I don't, I can't have that option of masturbating. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to let him know, like, don't be dragging your feet because I don't know what you're doing over there. <laughs> but just know over here, I'm totally right. and completely resisting. Right. So I, mm-hmm. we can't be dragging our feet. Right. But anyways, um, if I feed that lustful side, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe in and of itself, the masturbation is not the sin. Mm-hmm. But what is that drawing me closer to? What's the effects? What, well, yes, exactly. What is the effects of it? Is my relationship with God now going to be... Because a lot of times, so, especially you know, millennials, we're looking for that explanation Mm -hmm. that you know it has to be written Mm -hmm. that this is what we can or can't do look at your own life and say how is this affecting me what is it drawing me to if after i masturbate are me and god closer now yes am i literally am i the minister of the year because now i've masturbated or is that you know yourself or am i now thinking about old memories and that's mm-hmm. making me miss something mm-hmm. is that bringing me further away from god how do you feel mm-hmm. are you at the altar every sunday because you like little you know deliver me from something and you don't can't you can't move forward what is the effect that it's having on you and you and it, it takes a certain level of curiosity of your own life Mm-hmm. And it takes a certain level of you being very interested in your life, especially when it comes down to your relationship with God. Because if you believe that he has orchestrated every single, every single part of your life, 
there has to be at some point where you are taking a partnership role in saying, okay, God, during this season, there has to be a reason why you have this for me right now. So what am I supposed to be putting in the work? And then how can I do my part and all the different things and levels and stuff that you have to teach me so that I'm not so taken by what's lacking, Mm -hmm. right? Because while I firmly and wholeheartedly am like, you know, wait for God, you know, wait for God, wait for marriage and, and all of that. And acknowledging being a, a single woman myself, and I'm, I'm in the early 30s, I also acknowledge that I have to rely on God in this right. season. And there is a work and there is a purpose to my singlehood. I'm not just out here because I don't got nothing better to do or because I'm not being pursued and I'm not, people aren't asking for my number. That's not why. There is a goal and there is an objective. And if you partner with God, He'll show you that and you'll start to realize, oh, I I couldn't be married in this season Mm -hmm. and still do what I'm doing for God. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't take the time to really partner with God when it comes to their own life. They really think it's either, well, if good or bad happens, God, you willed it. That's not true. God is, while God can take control, God, what the word says is God will make, will work all things out for our good, right? It doesn't mean that every single heartache, every single pain and every single thing that happens to us is willed from God for us to go through. That has been my, um, my new revelation that I tell people. And I don't know when I got this revelation, maybe it was in my transition of when I let go of the, that soul tie, Mm -hmm. three year long soul tie I was in. Um, I didn't have to go through that. And I did not, God didn't, I didn't have to sin. I didn't Mm -hmm. have to have sex before marriage Mm -hmm. and stay in something that I know 100% God told me to get out of in order for God to use me. Mm -hmm. Because then that goes against God Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to make her sin. Mm -hmm. She has to sin for me to use her. Um, I believe, like you said, that God will change it around for your good Mm -hmm. because he's just that merciful and just that good. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things that we do. There's the destination Mm -hmm. is the same, Mm -hmm. but the road that we take to get there depends on the choices that we make. We don't have to choose the road of sin. We choose to. And God will still allow, because he's just that great, Mm -hmm. he'll allow the destination to be the same. But um, we don't have to choose that road. There was the God way (laughs) to to do things. So I think because a lot of people tend to use that as an excuse too. well, oh, I'm going through this because, Mm -hmm. you know, God needs me to or, you know, I'm broke because God, you know, he trying to teach me something. No, you just didn't save your money. Even in this, even in this uh, pandemic that we're in in our country, you have people that are popping up and being like, you know, I think it was God's will for me to get this, and you know, He's just judging the church and all that other stuff. No, there, there's a there's a legit reason, and you probably got it because you decided you wanted to still be outside or disobey whatever have you, and go against the the recommendations. Mm-hmm. But you can't sit there and put that on God to be like. You cause this because you you got to understand, and this is I think this, I believe that this comes from people not 
getting in tune with the heart of God mm-hmm. and with the character of God. You have a lot of people that profess to have this extravagant relationship with God. It's kind of like how, you know, when Obama was president, everybody was like, oh, that's Uncle Obama. Mm-hmm. Don't know him. He wouldn't know you if you walked across his, his face. But because of um, his actions and because of his presence, you felt a connection with him. Mm-hmm. So you have people that go to church and they feel this connection with God. But they never actually sat down, had a conversation, got a chance to know him. They don't know his favorite color. They don't know, you know, they don't have that intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. And so you have people that are just like, yeah, I know him. I feel like I know him. Da, da, da. Yeah, you you feel like you know him. And a lot of, we have a lot of Christians, a lot of people that just feel like they know God. And they know it based on what other people say about him. Mm-hmm. They know it based on the word that they hear over the over the podium or the word that they the little blurb that they got on Instagram or, you know, the little two liner and the people that people have sensationalized the word or took it, taken scriptures out of context to mean to fit whatever agenda that they have instead of saying, let me open up the scriptures for myself, not only read line by line and line upon line, precept upon precept, but then backing away from it and saying, okay, Lord, now reveal to me what this word is saying. Mm-hmm. Let me see the bigger picture. Let me see the whole picture. I see these puzzle pieces of scripture. I see that the children of Israel went through this. I see this. I see how everything kind of aligns, but how does it make sense and why is it relevant for me right now? Mm-hmm. And people can talk about all the scriptures that are not there and the things that are in other, you know, other kind of books and like the Apocrypha and all of that. Take those as well. If you want to read all of those, there's still a bigger picture mm-hmm. of how it all unites. And you still need to get revelation so that you can understand whom it is that you proclaim to serve. Michael Todd, um, his first uh quarantine video mm-hmm. a sermon which i guess it would have been last week um he had said he was speaking about giving did mm-hmm. you watch it mm-hmm. okay so he was speaking about giving and he said um god had came on had came at him because he said you preached a sermon uh you preached you explained a bible verse wrong And he said, I need you to correct that. Mm -hmm. And he said, you have people thinking, um, why would you have these people thinking this about me? And it was about the tides, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, you got these people thinking that they robbing me of money. He said, I don't, God said he don't need no money. Mm -hmm. He said, God really came at me. He Mm -hmm. was like, I don't need no money. He said, you need to go back and tell these people, Mm -hmm. you, when you don't give tithes, you are blocking your blessing. Mm -hmm. It don't got nothing to do with me. He said, stop letting these people think Mm -hmm. that I'm going to struggle because you're not paying Mm -hmm. your tithes. It has literally nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. Because which I realize in the church, we do say with that Bible verse, like, it's to build up the church mm-hmm. like God like we need it for the church, for the church. like which we do need it mm-hmm. but that what Michael Todd was saying is that God revealed to him that's not my intention behind why I said that mm-hmm. I was just letting you know mm-hmm. that when you don't pay your tithes you're blocking your mm-hmm. blessing and it has nothing to do with um me specifically mm-hmm. but um it but not we don't tend to go to God about the scripture like we just a lot of times we'll take it at face Mm -hmm. value or we'll just whatever someone else said Mm -hmm. but it's like what did God really say did you go to him and see what he really meant and if it what if it goes against something that you've believed or that you've said Mm -hmm. you know that was it was that was good I 
completely like and, and I think Malachi three and ten, which is the, the verse that he's speaking on, um, I think that is one of the gold twos of the churches come offering time. Um, I am proud of my church that we emphasize that part of the scripture where they're like into the spring or your ties into the storehouse that there may be meat and prove me how now herewith that I will not pour you out a blessing Mm -hmm. you know and making that that slight distinction to let you know that if even if you gave a piece of paper that was blank and your heart was jolly and merry and said god this is all that I have right and I'm just going to tear this piece of paper and I'm going to put it in faith and I'm going to put it in this bucket. It has no monetary value. Mm-hmm. But this piece of paper represents my heart that I, God, whatever I have, I give to you. God would bless you tenfold on that. He had um, it, it was really you guys go and watch it if you haven't. Um, Michael, t- it, I'm going to say his testimony right quick because it was just really powerful mm-hmm. when he was speaking about giving. And he said God was dealing with him with giving a sacrificial offering. He said the biggest offering he has ever gave. He said his wife was having issues with it. Mm-hmm. His wife was saying at first it's the devil um, because it was so <laughs> it much. Right. <laughs> and he said he really had he said he was crying when he gave it. He said it, he said he wasn't crying because he was happy. He was mm-hmm. crying because he didn't want to give it. Mm-hmm. And. So he ended up giving that offering, the biggest offering that he ever gave. Mm-hmm. He said, literally, right after he gave the offering, mm-hmm. they came and got him and said, there's someone that came in. They need to speak with you. He said he went to go speak with the man. Mm-hmm. And the man was like, you know, I God has been dealing with me to give this offering. Because Michael Todd's church, they had this big give offering time mm-hmm. um, sometime last month, I think. Mm-hmm. And so um, Michael thought that he thought that the man was giving for that. Mm-hmm. And the man said, no, God was dealing with me to give this offering straight to you. Mm-hmm. Michael Todd said he was in there. He was like, oh, man, thanks so much. God is good, whatever. He was driving home. Um, God told him, open it up. He said, not only was it the amount that he gave Mm -hmm. but it was 30 percent more and he said it was not one minute after he gave his sacrificial offering Mm -hmm. not one minute Mm -hmm. that man came in and ended up giving him even more back Mm -hmm. and he said the whole time he said god don't need it he said it wasn't about the offering it was about my obedience of it and the blessing he said if i didn't do that he wouldn't have been able to do that Mm -hmm. he said it's not about that he god told him to give a car Mm -hmm. he called the dealership to give to it was for a single uh, single mom. Mm-hmm. He called the dealership. The dealership said, we're going to give you a car. He ended up being, didn't even have to spend a dime. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to give the car. He's like, dad, God, I got to give a car. And I got to get a sacrificial <laughs> offering. He was like, dad, how much you want me to give? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just thought that was so um, amazing. So we each, each and every um, believer goes through something like that. We will mm-hmm. be faced with that. Um, you think about Jonah. That's no different than the story of Jonah, mm-hmm. where Jonah was told. I'm saying mm-hmm, I don't know the story. Of Jonah. <laughs> so uh, Jonah was a prophet, and Jonah told uh, God told Jonah go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell my people to repent, mm-hmm. and um, and I won't basically destroy them, right? And so Jonah is just like, I know once I get there, like they they're gonna repent, they're gonna do all of this, and you're gonna forgive them anyway. Like we already mm-hmm. know it's gonna happen. And it got so bad that Jonah got on a on a boat and to go to a whole different other place. And while he's getting on this boat to go to this whole different other place, a storm starts to come. 
and they in this terrible uh, raving of the sea and the boat is going all over. And it gets to the point where the people on the boat are just like, somebody on this boat done sailed. <laughs> Who is it? Mm-hmm. We're going to cry out to all of our gods and somebody got to hear us. Jonah, who you pray to? Do you know what's happening? Mm-hmm. And Jonah begins to, Jonah begins like, all right, guys, I know what happened here. So they kick him with the boat. Dang. And he gets, I he, vaguely remember this. Yeah. Thing. And then he gets swallowed okay. up by a big fish. Oh, duh. For okay. Days, for three days, right? When you need to be in your word more. And, okay. <laughs> and so he's in the, the belly of this, this fish. All the while, now mind you, he didn't been kicked off the boat, had the, had the, walked the plank literally get jumped into the to the uh the sea and instead of god allowing him to be to drown he has a big fish to swallow him up sitting in his stomach contemplating life probably like all right gets off and he's like okay god i'm gonna do what you want me to do mm-hmm. gets on the land and the journey that was supposed to take him all this time he ends up shortening into i think it was like one day or three days or something like that very short amount of a very only a percentage of the time that it, it would have taken him on his original journey. Mm-hmm. But this is how kickstarted he was in order to just obey God. So when he gets to the place, he's like, okay, guys, God wants you to repent. They're like, yes, like we repent. And God's like, okay, cool. So now Jonah is still mad. He's mad because, all right, you didn't brought me all this way. They did what you wanted to say. You didn't do anything. But I had to leave my whole town. I get kicked over the ball. I get put into a belly, a belly of a fish, just because you want me to come over here and do this. Then it starts like it's like he's he's basically walking back and um, he's under this tree and he's like I'm he's scorch, it's scorching hot. He's like sweating and all this other stuff. And he's like I just need relief. God, can you you know you got me out here in the desert. I don't like mm-hmm. it out here. And God shades him with a tree and then has a tree shrivel up. Mm. And he's like. I can't even get a tree. Right. Like, God, do it. What you want? Mm-hmm. And so God begins to deal with him about his heart. Mm-hmm. I asked you to come out here, not because I knew the people weren't going to come to me and repent. It was about you and your obedience. Mm-hmm. It was about you following the process that I set out for you. When we stop thinking that we know best in the whole area or whole arena arena of what god is doing in this earth and when we get back to the original purpose of who we are mm-hmm. it will cause us to have to face our pride it will cause us to have to face those things in us that cause us to make ourselves distant mm-hmm. and, and whether we want to admit it or not and just like we were saying before with the detours when you set out for your destination and God is like, okay, I have you on this path and you decide, you know what? That street look a little sketchy and I don't want to go down that street. And God is like, I said, go down that street. And you're like, no, I know. I know there's a better way and an easier way to get there. So I'm going to just turn right. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, all the GPS does is reroute. Mm-hmm. And so what it may reroute you to is having to go through construction. You may have to go back up and do a U-turn because of a dead end. Mm-hmm. You may end up having to go through some things that you didn't anticipate. You end up wasting gas. Yes. You end up putting miles on your car that you didn't mm-hmm. have to put there. And you end up having to get where you where God intended you to be in the first place. Now, the problem with that is you go through too many of those detours. And guess what? You've expended some time. Mm-hmm. So now instead of you reaping the benefits of that 
God had for you in your 20s, you now don't get around to seeing them till in your 40s. Now, when you would have been in your prime and you would have been able to be like, oh, my wedding pictures is fly. Da, 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 da. Now you have wrinkles and old hair and you done got now you got uh, stretch marks from the babies you didn't had along the way mm-hmm. and all this other stuff because you just didn't want to follow suit with what God had for you in the first mm-hmm. place. And when we when we start to understand that. Just like with Adam and Eve in the garden, when God said, don't touch the tree, and they ended up doing all of that, as much as God's mercy and his love towards us is, he ended up, once they came into the knowledge, once they did the disobedience, God ended up being like, y'all, y'all naked and y'all afraid, I'm going to clothe y'all. Because mm-hmm. as much as y'all were enlightened about life and all of this, you still didn't know how to clothe yourself. So the thing that you went off thinking that you knew so much about and how to do and your blessings, I know I can get this if I just hold on to this money real quick. If I just don't do this, if I I know better because I don't know, I don't have the credit score to be going out here and getting this house the way I want it to. But God is telling me to do it. God is like, if you just trust me, know that I've already made the path and the ways. And as much as you think you're going to be affected, you're not going to be affected. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing. But you have to, you're going to be faced with that matter, that, that tone of, God, where is my heart in all of this? Mm-hmm. How invested am I in this relationship with you? And how much do I really trust you? It always goes back to the heart check. Always. Always. This is so good. I actually, as you were talking, I'm like, man, like I want people to be able to chime in and like say their thoughts or whatever. Mm-hmm. This would have been a really great Facebook Live type of situation. Yeah. Um, but whatever, you're tuning in now. Thank you. Okay, so last but not least, so we have covered we have covered tattoos and piercings, masturbation. Um, we kind of veered off with some other things along the way. And so we're gonna end with drinking. Drinking okay. alcohol. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have always been taught that drinking alcohol is a sin. Mm-hmm. I am people tend to get that I believe it's from Proverbs 23 and 20 mm-hmm. where it's saying don't drink oh no 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 no. that's the rebuttal part um, people you then come in and say okay well it says don't drink too much wine and get drunk which that's in Proverbs 23 and 20 mm-hmm. then you have people coming in talking about um, you know God turned um water into wine and and that's their rebuttal my thought process now with it is that i am not there was a time that um god convicted me with drinking period Mm -hmm. like don't drink nothing at all Mm -hmm. and i believe that there were things that god was trying to deal in me and he just didn't want me touching that and I didn't even go too much into asking him the why not Mm -hmm. um I just didn't do it then it it started to then transition into um I am not um convicted every time Mm -hmm. that I drink alcohol there are times that um it depends on who I'm with where I'm at and my intention behind it mm-hmm. right so the i'm gonna say the for instance the um i had drank i had a mixed drink 
with one i i do not ever now mm-hmm. i do not ever drink to get drunk not only mm-hmm. do um you know it's i read in the bible don't drink to mm-hmm. get drunk but i am personally convicted mm-hmm. and then i also don't like that feeling right mm-hmm. so i don't ever drink to get drunk um but i'll say that i've drank socially mm-hmm. right and so the last time i i drink around um i don't want to be too specific mm-hmm. um i don't want nobody messaging me <laughs> uh texting me <laughs> I drank around some people that God had told me don't have this drink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment, I felt socially uncomfortable because they're not my regular group of friends. Mm-hmm. And so I had the drink anyways mm-hmm. to um, kind of not necessarily fit in with them, mm-hmm. but just bear so I can bear to be there. Mm-hmm. Um and I was very convicted, but then I've had a drink like a glass of wine, um, either if I'm like by myself mm-hmm. or with a particular group of friends that it's a it's a safe environment. I know that there is no I'm not going to say judgment, but I know that I can bring God into this conversation and I'm not having to um, I'm not having to they're not because you. OK, let me see. There are a lot of the world what they'll tend to do a lot of times, especially with Christians, Mm -hmm. is they'll point out every little thing and be like, oh, I thought you was a Christian. Mm -hmm. Right. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm there. It's not that I try to be fake, but I'm I'm convicted when I'm in certain atmospheres because God is like, I can't effectively use you if you take this drink here right now with these people Mm -hmm. so i need you to refrain from doing that right now but i have gotten to a point that i believe from my understanding of the bible that it is a sin to drink if you get drunk and Mm -hmm. that is your but that goes back to your intention are you drinking this to get drunk or and then it also your personal conviction with it so your extrapolation (laughs) so um Ha, huh. Bishop, don't um, don't at me. Um, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with alcohol itself. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that the the process is. You know, whether you're doing uh, beers, it's all a created formula. It's all you know. That is at its most simple point, it's a combination of chemistry, mm-hmm. right? Um, it is again going to come back to the heart it is why are you drinking it is the what your intent is for after you drink and what is the effect and you again you have to ask yourself at the end of that once you drink Mm -hmm. does that bring you closer to god does it bring you away from god or do you stay the same and what is your objective or your goal Mm -hmm. so um when you have a bunch of people that are um that are drinking when you, let's let's talk about social drinking. Mm-hmm. Social drinking. Most people they'll say I'm socially drinking because I want to feel I want to feel nice, I want to feel cool, I want to feel calm and collected. There's a certain little anxiety. I want liquid courage, right? Mm-hmm. I want um I want to feel like I'm really, you know, into it and I want to feel like I'm a part of everything and I don't want to be the odd person out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel awkward. And which was my example in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you are drinking, if you are trying to use any sort of enhancer, because this can go for you, you know, smoking, smoking um, marijuana or weed or whatever, or doing cocaine. Because even I, in high school, I had friends that socially snorted cocaine. And Which cocaine seems so harsh. It's like, damn. <laughs> I had a friend who was like, I'm snorting cocaine because I want to lose weight. I said, you know, you got to become a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> but it crazy. was a legit thing. Mm-hmm. And... um your motive behind why you do something, that's what most people will end up in hell for. Mm. That was powerful. So when you go into these gatherings, you go into a social gathering and you're like, I don't feel comfortable enough in my skin to be able to speak to people. I don't feel the confidence level to be able to, to say what I mean or to give my thoughts. I don't feel like I'm a fun enough person to be around. I feel like I need to, I feel like I have social anxiety, so I need to find something that'll make me relax. Mm-hmm. When you start to do all of those enhancers, you only, to you, you don't feel like anybody can see or notice that you've been having a couple of drinks, but you most certainly can. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, it's hard to judge for yourself and really assess reality mm-hmm. from what has been morphed and slurred, which is why most people that drink and drive, they think that they're doing pretty well behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. Right. When you see these cops, like I love watching like these cop shows and like live PD. And when they pull these people over, they're like, oh, yeah, sure. I can walk in a straight line. And they're veering into traffic. Mm hmm. It's hard to really keep a grasp on reality when you have poured into yourself something that is made to alter your normal bodily function. So alcohol comes from the Arabic word alcohol, which Mm. means body eating spirit. Wow. Okay. So it is does it is a design in itself and it, it this is as alcohol in itself is as ancient as you know, the Egyptian the pyramids and all of that. It comes from something so far. So isn't this is something this is not something new. And again, if you're talking about a Christian should Christians drink or not? I think the real question is why is any person whether they're Christian or not? Why are you using whatever this vice is? What is what is this crutch that you're enabling within yourself that you can't do on your own? Mm-hmm. I can understand how you said, you know, getting to a point where, okay, there's around certain people that it just doesn't feel right. It is not the environment for this. Mm-hmm. This is not where I want to, you know, let, whether it's a sense of safety, whether it's a sense of I need to kind of be the mature one in the room and I need to be the one that's the most alert. Because even if your mindset is, I need to be really aware. Just like if you were to go, um, say you were to go speed dating. Mm-hmm. You're only going to take so many drinks before you're like, I'm not trying to go home with anybody. I need to keep a certain level of clarity right. so that I don't do something that is compromising to myself. And if that's a thought pattern for anybody that drinks during any scenario, in any circumstance then drinking is not the mo- not you're drinking with the wrong intent mm-hmm. because you're you're already opening up yourself to say I'm allowing something to enhance or to alter my view of reality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is, and this also goes for um, when you're talking about when you're talking about smoking weed or you're talking about anything any enhancers. You have people who pop uh, pills. I don't want to feel the pain anymore. Okay, Mm -hmm. but if you alter your brain's ability to feel pain, it doesn't mean that the very reason why you're in pain stops existing. 
Exactly. It just mean it just means you tell you're telling your body or you've given your body something to ignore the pain. Mm-hmm. Same thing with alcohol. You're giving yourself something to alleviate a pain point that you don't want to address. It's the same thing with connection to when we were speaking about masturbation, mm-hmm. going outside of God mm-hmm. to try to overcome something or get over something exactly. or get some type of peace. Mm-hmm. When we know that God is peace, mm-hmm. he is love, he mm-hmm. is all those things that we're searching for and those other thinking that those other tools are going to um, provide us with that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. So now for the people who say that... Um, if it is because when you had said that it is the arabic word for body eating spirit Mm -hmm. you said arabic right arabic Mm -hmm. arabic word for body eating spirit it seems like if it is such a if it's so many complications with that thing Mm -hmm. right when we're speaking about alcohol then why would god turn water into wine why during um we had briefly spoke about the the wedding Mm -hmm. and he wait no that was when he turned the water into wine right Mm -hmm. during that wedding the celebration Mm -hmm. okay so if it leads to so many things Mm -hmm. that is not pleasing to god why would he use that to show the miracle of what he can do. Because he could have turned the water into hmm. something else. Okay, so let's. there's two parts, right? There is the, um, why did he, why did Jesus end up doing that? Why did he actually t- do the, the action of turning the water into wine? Mm-hmm. And then there's the other question of, um, wine is in the Bible. If they were drinking wine, why can't I? Right. right? And so to address that, they were drinking wine and why can't I? Um, what is wine? Wine is fermented grapes, right. right? It is that process that has been waiting around. If you look at the the area in which the the society, the the community, the way that the world was during that time, that was the only option, mm-hmm. right? If you didn't just want water, and sometimes water wasn't even as safe. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, let's ferment some some grapes. And there was different processes. So some people would get juice. So that was like the, the household thing. Mm-hmm. It was like if if the drink during that time were ginger ale or Kool-Aid, you would see the scripture say they drunk Kool-Aid, they drunk ginger ale. Mm-hmm. That concept hadn't been, it hadn't been thought about or hadn't been raised for generations, mm-hmm. right? It's been in our lifetime. We have these other drink options because it's been invented. Right. At that point in that sort of world, that's what they had. So then could you say that when when God says he he creates a way of an event of an escape, can that go into that? Like if someone were coming at you with saying, well, God turned water into wine during that time. Could you then say to them now God has created a way of an escape? I would say because we have the other juice, the other drink options. I wouldn't put it as deep into say that God created this way of escape. I would just say there are more options available. So then it goes back into mm-hmm. your intention. Your intention. Why? You're choosing. You? You're like if everybody mm-hmm. is being very transparent, they'll know. Like I'm choosing alcohol because I want alcohol. Right? right. I either like the taste of it. I like the. I like what it does to me. Or I like I like something about it. That's why anybody does anything. They like it, right? Mm-hmm. And even when they've had too much of it or done overdone it, 
they they figure out a way to scale it down to a point where they can still like it and still do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, you have to you have to go back to that first part, which we said was you have to ask yourself at some point, why am I doing this thing? Right. Right. So now let's look at the specific scenario of why Jesus turned water into wine. And I will always profess this. I will always say this because this is what the scriptures tell us. Um, God is God is not a liar. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus came in the form of of God. And he was very much um, when Jesus walked the earth. He sat as both the student and the teacher, mm-hmm. meaning he taught his disciples how to behave and how to do and how to interact and engage with the father and the father's plan. And then at simultaneously, he also walked it out. So when you see him, like even though he he experienced grief with John's death, he went off into the mountains and, and had to pray. Like he had to deal with that that feeling of I lost John and I have to go and grieve. And he said, everybody leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Right. So he still was able to walk out as the student and like, OK, God, how do I do this? How do I literally raise people from the dead? How do I cast out demons? He walked and did it while again teaching. Mm-hmm. Right. When you look at the the wedding specifically, what transpires there? Jesus did not want to turn the water into wine. Mm-hmm. He was like, "I'm not. I'm. I didn't come here for this. Mm-hmm. I came here to chill out with the rest of everybody. It's not my time to start showing off the powers of heaven. I'm just here to chill." His mother is the one that said, "Okay, I want you to turn this. We need. We they out of wine." Do something about this. Mm -hmm. And because she knew and she believed, it's the only reason why when they ended up bringing, and that was her act of faith, Mm -hmm. whether you want to believe it or not, her act of faith was go and get those cisterns, bring them over here, fill them up with water, watch what he does. Mm -hmm. That was his mother's fault. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why that water was turned into wine is because they they had a need and a lack. She knew that he could do it. And therefore, she asked him, and he did it. That that understanding is very, very important because it then takes away from God just wanted everybody up in here getting Absolutely. lit. It was not something that God was like, "This is a good thing. Absolutely. Let me turn." Do you get what I'm not mm-hmm. saying that God mm-hmm. couldn't have chose something else? But it gives people a different perception of it if you understand why he did it absolutely it's not like let me come in here and i'm going to show you Mm -hmm. that this needs to be turned into wine it makes you think of it a little differently when you see where it was coming from it is like um if you go to the old testament when you talk about um uh eli who was um he was a prophet of God's house, and he had these two children, Hophni and Phineas. And you mm-hmm. talk about Hannah. Hannah was Sam uh, Samuel's mother. And when Hannah, before Samuel was born and, and Hannah was barren, she was praying to herself silently, right? And um, Eli, the priest, he thought that she was drunk. And that's the way he interpreted her praying. And she was so um, emotionally over, you know, overbound mm-hmm. with, with this prayer that he was just like, you drunk woman, like, you know, get yourself together. And she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm praying. 
Mm. Right. And you look at like um, there was uh, you look at the story, how it transitions to how Eli is actually taken down is because he hasn't dealt with the sins of his his sons and how they're drunk. And they're doing all these crazy stuff in the house of God. And God completely disapproves of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we tend to think, and this, this comes back to what I said before, which is our inability to be satisfied. Mm hmm. You believe when you are drinking that you know your limit. Mm -hmm. And the only way for you to find out your limit, your true limit, is for you to eventually reach that limit or go over that limit. Mm -hmm. And it's not till you're like, I don't want to feel that way any, any longer. So I'm going to do, I'm going to take it down a notch. Right. right. And so again, you begin to alter and you begin to play with that line. Right. Most people they want that that line that's drawn in the sand between we look for that line between where how far close can i get to the line before god is going to strike me and disapprove mm -hmm. we look so much for the wrath of god as it is shown and um exerted in the old testament and we we tend to look we tend to look for that. Like we tend to look for the conviction and something going wrong in our life for us to be like, God disapproves of what I did. Mm. And then let that be the place of asking for forgiveness or repentance instead of it just being God. I know that this thing that I am doing, this thing that I am going for, this vice that I have, it is causing a disconnect between you and I because if you are at a place where you're, say you, you go to a lounge or you're at a social event with your friends mm -hmm. and you are drinking, everybody's drinking and God is like, um, and God sends somebody knocks, knocks on the door and they're like, help, I need prayer. Will you feel that you have a great enough connection mm -hmm. to reach heaven when you go to pray for that person? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, and you're like, bruh, I'm not even in a space, and let me try to conjure up something, blah, right. blah, then you, that should automatically revert in your spirit to be like, I should not be doing this because mm -hmm. I can't readily be available for God. Mm -hmm. And if you can't readily be available with anything that you do, that means after you masturbate, you're not feeling like you're the, at the holiest of holies and you can get for God for somebody, mm -hmm. right? I, like, it, it, after like having sex, I remember um, <laughs> one time that happened, I ended up having a conversation about Jesus literally right after. And I felt so like... You know what it does? Some things, it's not that it's a sin, but it discredits you. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is where, that's where we're, when we're talking about disconnect, you, you got to understand... When the enemy, when, when the Bible talks about the enemy seeking whom he may devour, it's those who aren't ready. Their guard is not up, mm -hmm. right? It's those who have taken off their helmet for a second and like, ah, I need to think about something else. I want to just set my mind on something mm -hmm. else. It's those who have taken off the breastplate of righteousness and they're just like, all right, I'm going to just dabble in this just for a little bit because nobody can really see me. I'm alone. I'm, I'm here, blah, blah, blah. And it's not really going to hurt anybody. It's when we start doing that and we've taken ourselves off guard that the enemy can come in and you got to remember we are drawn away by our own lust which means by everything that we could want to mm -hmm. entice us away it's gonna come as that mm -hmm. right sometimes we look for like oh man like something you know that's when you say like it's too good to be true or something like that you start looking for those things and sometimes the, the enemy is literally like 
yeah, I'm a sheep and wolf. Uh, I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing. And you begin to get enticed away. And it, it really, sometimes it really just starts with a thought. Because like what, what most, most women, most women, right? It, we have to have it in our mind already that, okay, we're going to do this, this thing. And you could be like, oh, my mind wasn't nowhere near there. Yes, it was. Because last Thursday you was over here like, I wonder what it's like. Like, I wonder this, da, da, da. And you, because you displaced it from being in the front of your mind to the back of your mind, doesn't mean it went away. Mm-hmm. And so now when you're in their presence and they push up on you the right way, it now becomes a wrong time for you to try and turn a defense mechanism. Because mm-hmm. now your emotions are like, well, okay, I can go, but this far. Mm-hmm. And before you realize it, that that line in which you drew, you're over it. Um, my friend Kendra, shout out to Kendra and Armel, hey, her husband. Um, so they were celibate for um, not for their which they they've spoken about this, mm-hmm. so it's not you know personal or whatever. Um, they had had sex before in their relationship, but then um, they were celibate for five years mm-hmm. until they got married. Mm-hmm. So she said one of her worries was just like you know, well no you know what she said that. During that time, mm-hmm. right, they had gotten to a point that it was like automatic. Like literally, if I'm sitting a certain way, if mm-hmm. I'm looking a certain, we just automatic. We mm-hmm. don't even think about it at this point. Mm-hmm. We didn't even got to sit here and be like, because mm-hmm. you was talking about kind of like you knew you was thinking about it because Absolutely. I mean you that happened because you was thinking about be, mm-hmm. about it before, but because both of them were continually feeding themselves with that with the holy spirit yes. you get know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that is their automatic response mm-hmm. so it's they couldn't even get to a point now where it's like we're just falling into mm-hmm. it because they're already charged up they're feel they're they prepped for this prepped for you get what i'm saying yes, so absolutely. now their automatic response mm-hmm. is resist mm-hmm. instead of we just falling into it because you don't you just like you don't you don't fall into bed with somebody you don't fall into love with somebody that doesn't happen you make continually small decisions mm. towards connection and those and in the way that you connect when you over here texting back and forth with somebody and you're just like oh what you look like let me tell me a quick pic you don't, those are little small decisions when you start enticing that when you start um feeding into that you're only leading yourself closer to something to a, to a sort of connection that it's gonna it's gonna birth in itself. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some sort of combustion. Why? Because like I said before, we are never satisfied. Right. So that little photo becomes a video. Because a all right, like I'm not gonna touch you. Like you could do it over there, but I'm not mm-hmm. gonna you know. And you start creating, uh, trying to fool yourself into creating. I can do this without getting too far. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same thing with drinking. You sit there and you justify within yourself. I can do one or two drinks of this particular drink. And if I go beyond that, then I know like I probably won't be able to do whatever. But if you if you are the sober one in the room, the pe- the amount of drinks that people think that they can take before they start slurring their words, before they start getting a little messy with things, getting a little hyperactive, it's way less than what they think. Mm-hmm. Way less. It is. And so a lot of times, again, we just fool ourselves into thinking that we know where that line is. Mm-hmm. And the problem with us as as being able to uh, having to walk in our shoes and not being able to see the full picture over our lives at all times is that we don't see where each one of those steps can take. 
you have no idea how many um how many drunk drivers got in their car and were just like i thought i could do it like i i just knew it mm-hmm. oh no he was good when he loved according to who right or like you know you you get into a scenario where you're just like oh like you know all right i just opened up this this bottle of wine before you know it all right i'm going through something i deserve to relax a little bit more than than i want to let me go grab another bottle let me go do this but if you're never keeping a constant pulse right and again allowing the holy spirit to be the the facilitator and the one that says okay move forward in this a lot of times and i don't think I, i said this a lot of times we don't engage the holy spirit and we don't engage god until after the fact yeah until it's time to ask for forgiveness or mm-hmm. until it's time to ask God to intervene. Right. And at that point, we're just like, God, we need your grace and your mercy. Because I know uh, what I did. I I didn't anticipate the effects of whatever my decisions were. Right. And so we end up being like, oh, God, okay, now I got to deal with this. Whatever that this is, I now got to deal with this. And I don't know how. Why? Because you never anticipated when you set out whether it was on uh, the, the drink, whether it was wherever it was, you didn't know the next step. We don't know the knowledge of time. I don't know what will happen an hour from now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my life's clock is up in two hours. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm making decisions, but now very, very confidently, right? You walk in, just like when you walk into a room, when you flick on the light, you keep walking into that room because you, you're like, oh, I know the light's gonna come on. It's funny. I have. <laughs> there's a song. I think it's her most recent. Janet Jackson's um, "We're Made for Now," right? Mm-hmm. Or "Made for Now." And I remember I was working out to it. Got a nice little bit. Be like, "Made for now, mm-hmm. not to." And um, God convict. It was interesting because I I always well, I used to get annoyed when I felt like Christians. I'm like, dang, every little thing ain't about God. <laughs> But when you nourish your relationship with God, like the deeper you get into him, you realize everything is about God. Like it literally you'll find that you have most of your the more you nourish your relationship with God, the more you talk about him Mm because you realize how everything is literally connected to him. Right. I'm going to ask you a question. mm -hmm. We'll put a pin there. Um, When you are talking with your friends about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Um, how often do you refer to your relationship with Carl? Um, pretty often. Okay. Actually, every time. Right? Yeah. And it's because this is a, a happy place for you. Right. Right? It's something that you're like, I'm confident in this thing. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It's no different than with God. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you're happy and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, my boo. Like you, you start hyping them up. Cause like you, you go to a good church service. You're like, God, wow, God showed up. Like I was so happy. Like I, I didn't shout it out of, you know, I know you mm-hmm. mind you while you were there, your nose is looking crazy. Right. Eyes is looking puffy, everything. But the fact that you've been in the presence of God, you're like, I got a chance to metaphorically have dinner with God. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to commune with him. When you are in a relationship that is healthy, you're not sitting there complaining. Like, because what do people do? God, you know, well, God ain't answered my prayer yet. Right. Right. That's when y'all in a little spat. 
Mm-hmm. But when God is coming through and you, you didn't went on dates, meaning you didn't have your prayer and Bible time with him, mm-hmm. when you didn't answer his, his text, when it's just like, I'm calling you away to come talk to me and doing all that, and you didn't allow him to wine and dine you because you've been in his presence, you can't help but sit there and be like, I'm feeling good. And I attribute mm-hmm. that because I didn't spend some time with God. That is 100% true. That was so awesome. I'm going to I'm going to stop here because we've been chatting for a while and I said in my head um at first I was like okay, I need to start keeping my um episodes to like mm-hmm. a, a hot 35 40 minutes because people start tuning out but the conversation be so good that it's so hard for me to stop and that's why I started this thing yeah. you know to have the conversation mm-hmm. and um because I'm like yo my friend the company I keep is really dope like the ones close to me like there's super special people mm-hmm. and I'm like people have to hear this type of stuff right. and I'm sorry you guys only hear an hour and 30 something minutes um but Sherelle, like, I get this on call. Just call her, like, listen, I hit my toe. And she got a whole a whole extrapolation. And, um, but thank you so much, Sherelle, for coming. I, I really, myself. really appreciate you. I had some great revelations in this. I know people are going to listen to this. Like I said, when I post this, I think I'm going to tell, well, I'll tell people, you know, please comment and Absolutely. question because I'm so curious, especially it would have been even dope to have an older saint here yes. to kind of just play back and forth with That's it and, and hear their yeah. input. So I think I'm going to end up doing this again cool. and having you... Um, having you again and then having like an older saint Mm -hmm. because i really want to have like that back and forth like just hitting like you know like that boxing match like with the with the young word and the old word and then we can talk about whether we're tribulation saints yes yeah okay what's that mean well whether we believe that we're in rapture before the tribulation or after wow wait that's deep i'm gonna talk to you after we stop this But thank you guys so much once again for tuning in. I hope you guys are staying safe inside and prayed up. God, we're going to get through this. Amen. Right? I love you guys. Stay stay blessed. Bye. Bye.